Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Good day. We're continuing our study here as we're in the Questions About Heaven podcast, and I'm going through the series on Revelation verse by verse, and let's tackle the next part. This will be a shorter podcast, but I want to get to some things here so that we might be able to slow down and pick the things here which we can help understand and not find this book to be so scary or so mysterious that we can't even begin to grasp it. There are some good truths here. Let's continue on because we're now going to get to some magnificent things, and I want you to understand There are many times when we try to grasp the eternal, and these things are just given to us in bits and seeds and parts by God because of our finite minds. I believe that's the way it is. Listen to when you see Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 1 trying to describe what was going on. I mean these heavenly beings and flashes of lightning and balls of fire moving through the sky and the firmament, looking up through this crystal firmament and such. You just are sitting there thinking, what in the world? A wheel within a wheel? So we look at the eternal, and many times we try to put a full definition on it, and that's just not going to happen. That's the same that will happen here in Revelation chapter 4. So I'm going to take some time as we go through this and slow things down. Now it tells you here, In the verse 6, we talked about this the last time, before the throne there was, and one translation says there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And there's still a puzzlement. Is this tangible glass? Is this an appearance? We know that this must mean purity. It could mean the washing of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, the washing such as in the laver in the tabernacle. And then we move on. There are four heavenly creatures full of eyes in front and in the back. The first creature was like a lion. The second creature, like a calf. The third creature had a face like that of a man. The fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. When we look at these angels, We're always struck by angels. The angel that came and talked to Daniel as he was praying in Daniel chapter 9 in the book of Luke. The angel that came down and talked with Mary about the coming Messiah. Neither of these was overcome by the presence of an angel. This angel must have given the appearance of a calming effect. But here, the appearance here in heaven is striking indeed. We better take a look at this and understand Now, I want you to understand, these are not terrifying as in the ugly sense. The description here, John is doing the best he can here. But I want you to understand as this living creatures, creatures of life in here, are being brought out. These heavenly beings are gorgeous and fantastic in their appearance. It's just that John is trying to describe the best he can. All right. So in here, we're saying this, this, the eyes here. Let's take a look at this. They are full of eyes in back and full of eyes around and within. When we see eyes being used many times in the Bible, it is speaking of wisdom. 
such as the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. We see this. We see this as understanding, as in wisdom. We're seeing that in full of eyes. And so we're not looking at literal eyes here. It's giving them. So these are not dumb, brute beasts. The King James Version will refer to them as beasts, and that's unfortunate because these are creatures that are angelic. They're not just animals just slothing around. This is magnificent, and they are wise. One has an appearance like a lion, then you have a calf appearance. One is the face of a man, one of a flying eagle. You see them. Now, these are cherubim, cherubim. These are, uh, cherub is singular, cherubim is plural. And when you see this, you're going to see that in Ezekiel, it goes even further. In verses 6 through 10, they had four faces. And in those, they had uh, four wings. And they are described as having calves, feet, uh, burnished brands, brass color on it, and in those. Now, this, this here could be what John is seeing. John could have seen this. Now, these uh, have been uh, all the confusion down through the years by different uh, commentators is very stunning, and they're trying to grasp what exactly this is about here. There's a lot of speculation on what these four representations mean, and I mean, you can really go deep in the weeds on this, and I'm going to give you from the benefit of my studies what I believe this is. I mean, it goes all over the place, and really, there's no crashing of doctrines in this, but we want to make sure that we don't go so far out that we get confusing in this. Now, I'd like to say this. We, we see this. I've taught uh, the Gospels a number of years, both in the college level and in the high school level. And as I've taught Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there have been many times when they would take these four representations here and they would put them for the different books. Now, different writers through the years or different things, different uh, schools of thought have given the representations in different ways, but I tend to go like this whenever I look at them uh, here. It shows that uh, Matthew would have the representation of this one creature, the heavenly creature around the throne, as the face of man, having the face of man. That would be the representation of the book of Matthew. Mark's was the lion, uh, Luke was the ox, and John was the eagle. And the reason they do this, uh, they, there are, are different ones, and they would say this, that the man, the king of the Jews, Jesus is the king of the Jews, and that would be the presentation of the man. Mark is, this is the action gospel. Jesus is going and doing, and so this would be this one that is uh, very active in Mark 16 chapters. Luke, it's the, the uh, talking about Jesus being the one of sacrifice. Uh, the ox is uh, humble. It works constantly. It doesn't ask for any special favors. And when it grows old, its further youthfulness is to be killed. And that matches with Luke, a lot of people will say. John the eagle is because it's of the heavenlies and eagles of the heavenlies. And so you, you see that. Now, am I saying that that's for sure? No, but there's a real good thought here among some that were are writing, and I like this, and I want to share this with you, and they would say this, well, if you think of the wild kingdom, that would be the lion. If you think of the domesticated animals within humanity, that would be represented by the ox. 
the eagle is really the king of all birds, and then mankind is representing the top among all intellectual creatures. And so in that, they say this could represent all of the creation that is moving about, that is going about, and it's talking about the very best. Well, whichever way that we go, it's very, very intriguing to see this in its representation. And maybe, just maybe, this mystery is left this way so that God would say, however you are looking at it, you're going to have to agree that we're looking at something above and beyond. I mean, think about it now. When you're thinking about Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3, the four seraphim, are the, the six-winged seraphim that are flying about in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3, and they're flying about. And what does Isaiah say about them? He it shrinks back and says, it's not so much them. They're pointing toward the Lord. And this is a stunning place. And I'm a sinful man. And I, woe is me. I'm an unclean man with unclean lips. See, he notices as fantastic as they are, they still represent and they, uh, they represent uh, glory of God, the submission to God, the worship of God, and they point toward God. And that's the same way here. However these creatures come about, please don't look at them as grotesque and take this too literal to all the eyes and everything. Think of this, full of wisdom. They are not mindlessly calling out. And that's the same way our church services should be as well. In wisdom, we are worshiping the Lord. We're, we're going in our singing. That singing is not bringing us to worship, but singing is an extension of our worship. That we are not reading the Bible so that we might get settled and try to find something that would help us to worship. No, we're seeing God's word and we're worshiping him and seeing his word as instruction in our worship. It's intelligent. We're thinking about it. It's not osmosis. We're not just getting into an atmosphere and becoming more holy. This is with intelligence. And that might be one of the things that we're seeing here with these creatures. We will see them later on in our teaching revelation. But right now, let us reflect about the magnificence of the heavenly creatures in heaven, which are just not limited to blonde-haired, blue-eyed angels, as many people would say, with a couple of wings and white robes, and they move around, and they're kind of boring. We have a lot of variety here, as we'll see through the book of Revelation. The mysteries and the joys and the intrigue continue. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N dot org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.